to another episode of the Bible Podcast. Today we're going to be finishing the book of Exodus, uh, chapters 39 and 40. Uh, Before we begin, I wanted to give out a, a special prayer to everyone that's listening, um, anyone who is hearing this, this prayer is for each and every one of you. May you desire to be healed. May what is wounded in your life be restored to good health. May you be receptive to the ways in which healing needs to happen. May you take good care of yourself. May you extend compassion to all that hurts within your body, mind, and spirit. May you be patient with the time it takes to heal. May you be aware of the wonders of your body, mind, and spirit, and their ability in returning you to good health. May you be open to receive from those who extend kindness, care, and compassion to you. May you rest peacefully under the sheltering wings of divine love, trusting in the gracious presence. May you find little moments of beauty and joy to sustain you. May you keep hope in your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so chapter 39, clothing for the priests. The craftsmen made beautiful sacred garments of blue, purple, and scarlet cloth clothing for Aaron to wear while ministering in the holy place, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Making the ephod. Bezalel made the ephod of finely woven linen and embroidered it with gold and with blue, purple, and scarlet thread. He made gold thread by hammering out thin sheets of gold and cutting it into the strands. With great skill and care, he worked it into the fine linen with blue, purple, and scarlet thread. The ephod consisted of two pieces, front and back, joined at the shoulders with two shoulder pieces. The decorative sash was made of the same materials, finely woven linen embroidered with gold and with blue, purple, and scarlet thread. Just as the Lord had commanded Moses, they mounted the two onyx stones in settings of gold filigree. The stones were engraved with the names of the tribes of Israel, just as a seal is engraved. He fastened those stones on the shoulder pieces of the ephod as a reminder that the priest represents the people of Israel. All this was done just as the Lord had commanded Moses, making the chess piece. Bezalel made the chess piece with great skill and care. He made it to match the ephod, using finely woven linen embroidered with gold and with blue, purple, and scarlet thread. He made the chest piece of a single piece of cloth folded to form a pouch nine inches square. They mounted four rows of gemstones on it. The first row contained a red carnelian, a pale green peridot, and an emerald. The second row contained a turquoise, a blue lapis lazuli, and a white moonstone. The third row contained an orange jacinth and a gate and a purple amethyst. The fourth row contained a blue-green barrel, an onyx, and a green jasper. All these stones were set in gold filigree. Each stone represented one of the twelve sons of Israel, and the name of that tribe was engraved on it like a seal. 
To attach the chest piece to the head pod, they made braided cords of pure gold thread. They also made two settings of gold filigree and two gold rings and attached them to the top of the corners of the chest piece. They tied the two gold cords to the rings in the chest piece. They tied the other ends at the cords to the gold settings on the shoulder pieces of the ephod. Then they made two more gold rings and attached them to the inside edges of the chest piece next to the ephod. Then they made two more gold rings and attached them to the front of the ephod. Follow below the shoulder pieces just above the knot where the decorative sash was fastened to the ephod. They attached the bottom rings of the chest piece to the rings on the pod with blue cords. In this way, the chest piece was held securely to the pod above the decorative sash. All this was done just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Additional clothing for the priests. Bezalel made the robe that is worn with the pod from a single piece of blue woven cloth. With an opening for Aaron's head in the middle of it, the opening was enforced with a woven collar so it would not tear. They made pomegranates of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and attached them to the hem of the rope. They also made bells of pure gold and placed them between the pomegranates along the hem of the rope. With bells and pomegranates alternating all around the hem, This robe was to be worn whenever the priest ministered before the Lord, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. They made tunics for Aaron and his sons from fine linen cloth. The turban and the special head offerings were made of the linen, and the undergarments were also made of finely woven linen. The sashes were made of finely woven linen and embroidered with blue, purple, and scarlet thread. Just as the Lord had commanded Moses, finally the maid... They made the, the sacred medallion, the badge of holiness of pure gold. They engraved it like a seal with these words, Holy to the Lord. They attached the medallion with blue cord to Aaron's turban, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Moses inspects the work. And so the last tabernacle was finished. The Israelites had done everything just as the Lord had commanded Moses. And they brought the entire tabernacle to Moses. The sacred tent with all its furnishings, clasps, frames, crossbars, posts, and bases. The tent coverings of tanned ramskins and fine goatskin leather. The inner curtain to shield the ark. The ark of the covenant and its carrying poles. The ark's cover, the place of atonement. The table and all its utensils. The bread of the presence. The pure gold lampstand with, the, with its symmetrical lamp cups. All its accessories and the olive oil for lighting. The gold altar, the anointing oil and fragrant incense, the curtain for the entrance of the sacred tent, the bronze altar, the bronze grating and its carrying poles and utensils, the wash basin, wash basin with its stand, the curtains of the, for the walls of the courtyard. The posts and their bases, the curtain for the entrance to the courtyard, the ropes and tent pegs, all the furnishings to be used in worship at the tabernacle, the beautifully stitched garments for the holy place, the sacred garments for Aaron the priest, and the garments for his sons to wear as they minister as priests. So the people of Israel followed all of the Lord's instructions to Moses. Then Moses inspected all their work. When he found it had been done just as the Lord had commanded him, he blessed them.
here in uh, chapter 39, <clears throat> um, the first half of the reading, the priestly garments were ornate and detailed in accordance with God's instructions to Moses. The intricate details point to the fact that the priest was to be holy, set apart for God. The death of Christ made it possible for all believers to be priests, for we are to be holy and pure, committed to God in everything we do. Like the priestly garments, our actions need to reflect externally what we are on the inside through Christ, holy and set apart. In verses 33 through 43, the tabernacle was completed. Following all of God's instructions, it had required a great deal of tedious work, but all of it had been done God's way. This was not mere human perfectionism or a substandard good enough for God mentality. Rather, here was the melding of faith commitment to God and perseverance. Israel's successful building of the tabernacle was dependent on their following God's specific instructions. Our spiritual renewal and sustained spiritual growth will be built in the same way. Chapter 40 The Tabernacle Completed Then the Lord said to Moses, Set up the tabernacle on the first day of the new year, place the Ark of the Covenant inside, and install the inner curtain to enclose the Ark within the most holy place. Then bring in the table and arrange the utensils on it, and bring in the lamp stamp and set up the lamps. Place the gold incense altar in front of the Ark of the Covenant, then hang the curtain at the entrance of the tabernacle. Place the altar of burnt offering in front of the tabernacle's entrance, set the wash basin between the tabernacle and the altar, and fill it with water. Then set up the courtyard around the outside of the tent and hang the curtain for the courtyard entrance. Take the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle and all its furnishings to consecrate them and make them holy. Anoint the altar of burnt offerings and its utensils to consecrate them. Then the altar will become absolutely holy. Next, anoint the wash basin and its stand to consecrate them. Present Aaron and his sons at the entrance of the tabernacle and wash them with water. Dress Aaron with the sacred garments and anoint him, consecrating him to sit, serve me as a priest. Then present his sons and dress them in their tunics. Anoint them as you did their father, so they may also serve me as priests with their anointing. Aaron's descendants are set apart for the priesthood forever, from generation to generation. Moses proceeded to do everything just as the Lord had commanded him. So the tabernacle was set up on the first day of the first month of the second year. Moses erected the tabernacle by setting down its bases, inserting the frames, attaching the crossbars, and setting up the posts. Then he spread the coverings for over the tabernacle framework and put on the protective layers just as the Lord had commanded him. He took the stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant and placed them inside the ark. Then he attached the carrying poles to the ark and set the ark's cover, the place of atonement, on top of it. Then he brought the ark of the covenant 
into the tabernacle and hung the inner curtain to shield it from view, just as the Lord had commanded him. Next, Moses placed the table in the tabernacle along the north side of the holy place, just outside the inner curtain. And he arranged the bread of the presence on the table before the Lord, just as the Lord had commanded him. He set the lampstand in the tabernacle across from the table on the south side of the holy place. Then he lit the lamps in the Lord's presence, just as the Lord had commanded him. He also placed the gold incense altar in the tabernacle in the holy place in front of the inner curtain. On it, he burned the fragrant incense, just as the Lord had commanded him. He hung the curtain at the entrance of the tabernacle, and he placed the altar of burnt offering near the tabernacle entrance. On it, he offered a burnt offering and grain offering, just as the Lord had commanded him. Next, Moses placed the wash basin between the tabernacle and the altar. He filled it with water so the priests would wash themselves. Moses and Aaron and Aaron's sons used water from it to wash their hands and feet. Whenever they approached the altar and entered the tabernacle, they washed themselves just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Then he hung the curtains forming the courtyard around the tabernacle and the altar, and he set up the curtain at the entrance of the courtyard, so at last Moses finished the work. The Lord's glory fills the tabernacle. Then the cloud covered the tabernacle, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could no longer enter the tabernacle because the cloud had settled down over it, and the glory of the God of Lord filled the tabernacle. Now whenever the cloud lifted from the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out on their journey following it. But if the cloud did not rise, they remained there. They remained where they were until it lifted. The cloud of the Lord hovered over the tabernacle during the day, and at night fire glowed inside the cloud, so the whole family of Israel could see it. This continued throughout all their journeys. So here, setting up the tabernacle began a new life of worship for the Israelites. Undoubtedly, as with any large task, it took a great deal of patience and self-control to finish the job. This required the Israelites to persevere, but it also made the victory celebration and worship uh, all the more joyous. Our spiritual renewal doesn't take place overnight. We must learn to persevere and remain accountable to others to persevere, to preserve our spiritual gains. But in the end, the joyous freedom we experience will be worth it. So today when everything for the tabernacle has been created according to God's plan and presented to Moses, we see another parallel of creation. After God finished his work at creation, he saw all he made and that it was good and he blessed it. Today, when Moses sees the pieces of the tabernacle completed as God commanded, he blesses them. These parallels are intentional. The tabernacle was a step in the direction of God restoring what was broken in the Garden of Eden. 
2,700 years earlier. God is camping out with a bunch of sinners because he just can't stay away from his people. Moses has all these tabernacle pieces and it's his job to assemble it all, like ancient Ikea furniture. God has him anoint the furniture with oil and consecrate it. All this furniture is just wood and metal, stuff God created that had been owned by the wicked Egyptians and then plundered by the Israelites, and that had a near miss with being part of the golden calf. There's nothing special about these things, but they're in God's sanctuary, and he said to make them holy, to set them apart for sacred use. So how is Moses supposed to do that? By putting oil on them. How does putting oil on something make it holy? In scripture, oil symbolizes the Holy Spirit. So this furniture is being symbolically dedicated to God, establishing its purpose in serving him. After he consecrates the furniture, Moses brings in Aaron and his sons, washes them, puts the priestly garments on them, and anoints them. Then something important happens. God establishes the line of Aaron as the family of priests to serve before him throughout their generations. If you're only familiar with Catholic priests, for instance, you may think that means this family line of priests will only last two generations. Since Aaron and his sons obviously can't marry. But that's not what we saw in the priesthood here. This line will continue on. There's no requirement of celibacy or singleness here. In fact, these specific people have been encouraged to multiply. This all happens one year after they left Egypt when they're a little more than a week away from celebrating their first Passover in the wilderness. This will actually be the second Passover, since the first one was in Egypt. This tabernacle is a great anniversary present, and it'll be a beautiful reminder when they celebrate Passover for the first time as free people. We'll get to that part soon. The next couple of books we read aren't going to be as story-driven as these first three have been. We do continue in this same storyline with this same family, but it will be less of a narrative for a bit. Don't give up. There's good stuff for us in the days ahead. Ask God for wisdom. Ask Him to open your eyes, and you'll get something out of it you've never seen before. Hopefully you've grown close enough to some of these characters to care about what their lives are like in the next few books, even in the dry spots. When we started this book a few weeks ago, they were slaves in Egypt. Put yourself in their shoes. You're a freed slave living in the wilderness with three million other freed slaves. A guy with a shiny face and who wears a veil is in charge of everything, and you're being led by a god who lives in a cloud. 
Whenever the cloud moves, you pack up your tent and your family follows the cloud. Because you've come to realize it contains the presence and glory of the God who loves you. You complain about his plan, but he drowns an army to save you. You doubt him, but he's still giving you mana six days a week. You sinned against him, but he doesn't kill you. And still he's there, in your midst. What's this going to be like? When is God going to lead you into the land he promised to give you? He seems to be good, but how do you draw near to his goodness? Can you? We'll look at that in the days ahead. In chapter 40, verse 35, we see that, quote, Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle, end quote. There is density to the presence of God here, and this cloud fills the tabernacle. Every square inch, it seems, his glory is dense, his presence is undeniable, and he's where the joy is. That concludes our reading for today, and I just wanted to leave you all off with a daily devotional once again. Approach problems with a light touch. When your mind moves toward a problem area, you tend to focus on that situation so intensely that you lose sight of me. You pitch yourself against the difficulty as if you had to conquer it immediately. Your mind gears up for battle and your body becomes tense and anxious. Unless you achieve total victory, you feel defeated. There is a better way. When a problem starts to overshadow your thoughts, bring this matter to me. Talk with me about it and look at it in the light of my presence. This puts some much needed space between you and your concern, enabling you to see from my perspective, you will be surprised at the results. Sometimes you may even laugh at yourself for being so serious about something so insignificant. You will always face trouble in this life, but more importantly, you will always have me with you, helping you to handle whatever you encounter. Approach problems with the light touch by viewing them in my revealing light. Amen. Thank you all for tuning in today. I hope you all have a great day and God bless each and every one of you.